You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hello. Hi. I feel like we haven't caught up just us in a while. I know. I realized last week that we didn't do the intro. So I was like, I was it's just okay. going to, yeah. I was like, I she's just going to handle it. Go. Yeah. But the, I had, it was, um, it was a crazy weekend around here. So it was a lot. My parents flew in. My dog had two seizures. It was, oh. like, it was a lot. There was a lot. It, she seems fine. It was yeah. another $350 vet bill and she seems fine. And she's fine. Yeah. She's fine. Well, you look fabulous. So I'm going to a happy hour. You're very, um, fresh faced. I put, I washed my hair and put makeup on. I know, right. That's all it takes. <laughs> it's usually I I'm my, hair, in my workout clothes. I put a little makeup on and boom, voila. And boom. I know. I was like, I kind of, we had a bunch of team meetings. We're getting ready for this Kona thing. So a bunch of team meetings and I showed up and I was like, maybe I should like look better more often for work. things. <laughs> I go through phases. It's a challenge. I like hats. <laughs> I just don't have that many. I, like I used to work at an office building. Yeah. And I just don't have that many clothes anymore. Yeah. My, I, and also, my, be, my best wardrobe is my Velocio. Yeah. My, my Velocio wardrobe. So. Atlanta wardrobe doesn't translate to the Pacific Northwest. The Pacific <laughs> That's hilarious. So, it's gotten donated in piece by piece. <laughs> yep. I hear that. <laughs> um, but anyway, well, what have you been up to? Have you, uh, you went to Bentonville to ride. Yeah, that was just a spur of the moment thing. I went down, they had mm-hmm. the Oz, the Women of Oz um, Sunset Summit, which was really cool. Um, lots of women mountain bikers all in one place. It was something like 300 women. It was really cool. Um, and the, we had like a little happy hour sunset toast at the ledger, which was also really nice. And then I realized um, that I didn't have my mountain bike with me. So Amy Ross invited me to come and join the Rafa 100 K that was taking place on Sunday morning. So we went and rolled out and did that. And it was, I mean, I don't know if I've ridden my bike on a more perfect day. Like the Midwest was just showing off, um, a hundred percent. Like it was a bluebird day, absolutely beautiful, perfect temperatures, no wind. Who are we? Where are we? type weather. That's like, amazing. Really, yeah. So it was really fun. And it was just, you know, it was another great group of community there and, um, got to catch up with Jen Dice, who's people for bikes, um, CEO, um, which was really fun. Uh, she, she rode a mountain bike with us on the whole gravel 63 That's miles, amazing. which was Im- very impressive. She was, she was working her little booty off. Um, but it was just, it was just a good time. So yeah. How about you? How was your weekend? Good. My parents bought a house. Yay so they're going to be about 15 minutes from my brother um just like it's about it's about 20 25 miles from me so they're kind of a suburb between Tacoma and Olympia yeah um but yeah I mean I'm like I want to live in this neighborhood it's it's like a 55 plus community but it's a new build so everybody's moving in and like the Pacific Northwest has this, like they call it the Seattle freeze. Like it's really hard to meet people and make friends. But like everyone was like, oh, hey, oh, we're having a happy hour. Oh, we're doing this. There's a cooking class this day. I was like, can I move into this neighborhood? I mean, no, I'm I could. I'm old off. enough. 
<laughs> but they just kind of found the perfect house. Like um, it was one, it, it's obvious that it probably had a contract to fall through because they're all new builds, right? Right. But the appliances were all in, it had all the upgrades. Nice. And it, they were doing it at their house of the week. So I'm like, oh, they're trying to move this because it like should have sold, right? Um, and they just happened to be there. And that's so good. We were like, you have to put a contract on this house tonight because it will not be here. And then sure enough, the next day, the five houses that they had that were going to be done before the end of the year were all sold. We're all gone. And that, well, good. And, that's exciting. Yeah. Congratulations, so, Catherine's parents. I know they'll be out here in like six weeks. There you go. So it's crazy. Um, the other thing that will be out publicly by the time this podcast comes out is um, we're going to be having some fun down in Patagonia. Yay. Oh, good. Okay, good. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. We've been waiting. I sent an email to the insiders list and then my parents came and the dog, I like, people sometimes think that Feisty Media is like a big company. It's like five it's, of us. Yeah. You guys are all. crushing it. And like, we have this yeah. giant Ironman contract right now that's taking four people's jobs <laughs> um, pretty much full time. So, um, so yeah, we're doing, if people haven't heard, we're doing a camp in Patagonia, Arizona, April 11th through the 15th. We're gonna be staying at the gravel house and the other gravel house. (laughs) And, um, we're having Casey Wytaski come in and she's going to be, it's like bike mechanic school meets gravel. Yes. And you're doing the cooking. Is that right? Well, I'm not, I, we need to continue talking about that, but yeah. Christy yeah. might be cooking, but I she's going to be, be there. I will be uh, there. So we'll be riding. We'll be like learning all the bike mechanic skills from That's, Casey I'm on so our own bike. I'm so excited for that. Like Maybe um, that ties in really well with our guest that's up. It, it, it does tie in really it well. It does. She does do her stuff on her bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to introduce our guest? Good segue. We, we, we're bringing back um, Cynthia Frazier who was on a couple of years ago with Rachel Wills after they had done the 350 back in 2021. Um, and Cynthia has gone on to not only win the XL, but just explore ultra cycling in all across Europe, uh, all, all, heck, all across the world. Um, but, you know, in order to be able to do that, she's got to be able to make repairs on her bike. So there you go. There you go. If she didn't yeah. know how, she'd probably come to our camp. Exactly. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> well, we will get on to our podcast with Cynthia Frazier. If you're tired of those gross plastic water bottles that kind of get funky after a few uses, then our new podcast sponsor is definitely somebody you should check out. Bevo is a performance hydration company with sophisticated metal water bottles designed for cycling. That means they fit in any bike cage and their patented gravity flow technology makes it it easy to drink with no need to squeeze. They also, if you get the insulated version, will keep your water cold for 12 plus hours. They have a silicone mouthpiece, which makes it really easy to open when you're riding. And like they said, the water just flows. It's really easy to use. Bevo offers both insulated and non-insulated bottles. And the advantage of those metal water, water bottles and that silicone mouthpiece is that they're not going to get funky or gross. They're easy to clean in the dishwasher. You can try Bevo water bottles for yourself by going to drinkbevo, that's B-I-V-O dot com, and use the code drink underscore feisty, all caps, for free ground and U.S. shipping. One of the most frustrating things about 
going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our Feisty Brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, you've also heard about how their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has Everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code GIRLSGONEGRAVEL for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase, and you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. Okay, we are jumping right into today's interview because the person that we're talking to has a lot of things going on. <laughs> she's busy. She rides a lot of miles. We gotta yeah, she's got to get back on her bike. Gotta get back, <laughs> on, get back on her bike and ride another 500 miles. I actually on my bike after this, so... <laughs> True story. <laughs> okay, we have a repeat guest, but this is the first time you've been solo. Cynthia Frazier oh, is with us today. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Hi Christy. <laughs> Hello, Catherine. How are you guys? Good. We're good. good. Yeah. We're good. Wonderful. <laughs> Everybody's good. We've established that. <laughs> yes, we've established that we're all good. So okay, which is so great. We first talked to you after you and Rachel did the t- the three fifty at Unbound. Wow. <laughs> What a lifetime ago that was. That was a lifetime ago. Thinking back, like um, that was like two, three, three unbounds ago? Two, two years ago. Yeah. Uh, three, three unbounds ago. Three unbounds yeah. ago. Wow. Which was maybe one of the funniest conversations we've ever had because the two of you were like a comedy show. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yes. But since then, you've been doing quite a lot in yeah. the ultra... Uh, cycling so first of all I love that you were like I'm coming back and I'm gonna win this and you did the next year yeah I have a good track record of that so far I need to stop saying though that because it's gonna come back and bite me in the butt one day but um (laughs) yeah that was crazy I I, like wanted to do it and it happened so 2022 was was a good start to this kind of like catalyst that I'm on now which is also feels like another lifetime ago but it's been a good year so far for a year and a half. How did you go from, from the, I'm going to do this with my friend. We're going to have fun to like, I want to be, I want to win. And then I want to go on and do all these other crazy mm-hmm. things. Well, if anybody knows me, they know I'm a very competitive person. So although it was like starting out as something, it was just an alternative to the 200 at unbound in 2021. That's really what it was for me. Um, and doing it with a friend, it, like as an almost like a scary way. I was I was scared to try and ride 350 miles in the like what I would say is kind of flatlands of of Kansas. And um, after I did it, I like knew I could do better. Whether it was doing that race or doing another um, event, and I kind of got the bug a little bit as well. So my 
my my friend Dylan, he says it's like ultra racing or riding is like eating hot peppers. It's like the more hot peppers you have, the like higher your tolerance is. So it's like the more riding that you do, the more riding you need to do to get like that next level or that next feeling of of satisfaction. And I definitely find that that's true. I'm always like looking for the next bigger thing, bigger race, more challenging race. Um, I guess it's like maybe sort of that addictive personality side to my um, my competition or, you know, what have you. But yeah, it's been a wild ride since just wanting to do it with a friend to now like I'm competing in the big ultras around the world. It's, it's pretty cool. And I mean, okay. Yeah. It's super cool. And like, what a way to explore an area. Hmm. Yes. That is honestly my favorite part. I mean, yeah. if you're, so the races I've done have been in South America and Chile. I've been to Colombia I've been to Spain. I went to the Canary Islands. I was just in Italy. So these races I'm going to are not just competing, but I'm also, I get to see a local route made by a local route builder, which is super cool. I'm not just like following something on, on a, um, that I found online. Like it is truly made for the race. And I get to see what I would say is probably like what they want to show you. Mm -hmm. The best of the best. And then, yeah, I'm there before and I'm there after. So it's like I get to have a vacation. I get to see a new area. And also I get to meet people from all over the world that are coming to travel to these races. And that's honestly one of my favorite parts about it. How much does that help inspire and motivate you knowing you're getting to see something special like that? Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, you're sometimes... It's the, the only bummer is occasionally I'm riding at night and I miss right. things. Um, and that's definitely like happened in certain races where I'm like, oh, I'm on the side of this cliff here and I'm, I, I don't know what's below me. And I know that it's supposed to be cool, but I can't see it. Um, but most of the time, yeah, it's just you get to like this race I did in Italy in July. I was literally riding or walking with my bike through the trenches that were used in World War One. Yeah. And that was just like there's been some stuff that's gone on here. And, you know, I have the opportunity um, to be able to experience this crazy route and see this place that like so much has happened um, and it is inspiring and it's kind of exciting and a little bit scary at the same time. Um, yeah, I would definitely I, I just love being able to be in a new place and be like, I'm riding up the side of this hill and I'm going to be positive about it because I'm riding up the side of this mountain hill that's like in the middle of nowhere that like nobody else is really going to do you know it's like people go and do the touristy thing when they go on vacation and I'm certainly not doing the normal touristy thing it's very uh yeah it's, it's very it's non <laughs> well I'm yeah I mean it, it's it's the best kind of touristy thing it's like the cyclist tour touristy thing totally yeah yeah mm-hmm. and how are you picking these routes because like you said you're you're not You've not been doing a lot of writing in the U.S. You've been writing kind of all over the world. So what what makes what makes a Cynthia approved? Yeah, I've actually gotten this question a lot recently. And I think honestly, well, I, I take into account a couple of things like I want to go. I, it's somewhere I want to go. So if there's a race somewhere that I'm like, well, that doesn't really seem like that interesting. Uh, I don't really want to ride in that location. I'm probably not going to consider it. Um 
I really like international travel. I mean, the U.S. has some good races, and I'm sure at some point I will do those. But for right now, I'm, I want to experience races that are in new places I've never been. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, that's a, or that it's like, kind of like, why would I ever go there also? Um, so like, I don't know, I just did a race in uh, Colombia and like, I probably wouldn't have chosen Colombia, but the fact that there was a race there was like, okay, yes, I'm going to go. And this looks like a cool place. So I want to see what it's like. Um, and then also the competition that's going, depending on the race, depending on the like level of the race or whatever the the people that are going are important to me as well i've made friends and have good connections and so yeah there's always talk like hey are you going to atlas this year which is a race in Af- uh, in morocco and there's just these little things here or there where you like learn that a friend is going to go to this one race and you're like mm, maybe i'll go to that too so connecting with friends at races is another reason if i have a sponsor that's sponsoring one of the races that would be another reason i chose i choose to go um or yeah if it's a new route sometimes i'm like okay i'm just gonna go and do this new race see what happens um but i think the biggest thing for me is it just has to be in a place that i'm interested in going to because like well why you know it's a vacation also (laughs) do you ever are there any uh any safety precautions or safety concerns you take in being out there on on a route as a woman well, as a human, but also, you know, even more specifically as a woman out there in some of these really remote locations, are you doing anything like extra special to be safe? You know, I have not been to a place where I felt unsafe mm-hmm. while racing. Maybe that's partly my personality. I grew up with three brothers and I'm like, I don't know, rough and tough, like nothing really scares me. I think in certain places, like I'm probably going to go to Morocco and race in February. And there have been situations where, um, you know, people have had an experience or an interaction that may not be the best. um, And that gives me a little bit of pause. So people have suggested things like, you know, wearing a head scarf or like wearing a buff. So something Mm. like that, carrying that so you can cover your hair or cover your face. Um, It's hard because, you know, when you're racing these kinds of things, you don't really want to be wearing loose clothes. And that makes it challenging because if you're wearing loose clothes, there's potential for like chafing um, or things like that. So like wearing (laughs) spandex, you know, is it doesn't always uh, it's not always the best option. Um, so I, I have heard that people who have gone to Morocco have like worn the baggy shorts and the baggy t-shirt. I personally probably won't do that. I partly because I don't think I'll be really stopping that much. Depending on the location and where and how long it is, I think that makes a difference as well. So if you're stopping to sleep for like 10 minutes at a time versus like four hours at a time, and if you choose to sleep in like a checkpoint location, like some races have then, you know, maybe that location might be a little bit safer Mm -hmm. than maybe just like sleeping on the side of the road, which is my normal MO. Um, So things like that, I would definitely like consider before, like, depending on the race, where I'm going to sleep. Like in Chile, I just found a bus station and just slept on the bench in the bus station, you know, almost holding my bike so that I knew that it was close. If it moved, it would wake me up. But yeah, I haven't maybe when I have a bad experience, I might consider it more, but so far I've been pretty 
I don't know if lucky is the right term, but it's been quite safe. And I think that's the other thing about races. Like if the person is local, they're not going to take you through a place that's not safe. Right. Typically, they're going to keep you in the places that are safe because it's in their best interest to do that. Right. They're not going to, yeah, elect. (laughs) One of the course features shouldn't be an unsafe neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we're usually like in the middle of nowhere anyway. I mean, like nine times out of 10, you're not really around people. You're like on the side of a mountain, which could be more dangerous than being in the middle of a city sometimes, depending on the like this hike a bike, I was like, it's dark and there's a, a cliff over here, but let's just hope I don't fall down it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you've been doing like ones, I think like is the max you've done like four or five days. You're not doing like the, the super, like the tour divide that yeah. kind of race yet. Correct. Yeah. Not yet. I think right now. So there's, there's like a little bit of a difference between I think the European model and the South American model of ultra racing versus the American in America, we have a lot longer distance races. You see like a thousand, 2000, 3000 mile races less of the shorter and the shorter races are actually more doable for more people because if it's just your average person, they can't take off a month of work. You know, they can only take off two weeks. So the shorter distance model is more um, I think it's pop- more popular because it's more approachable for most people. Um, and the, the European model is like very like you pay an entry and it's more of like a race competition. And for me, I thrive in that. I do think that the U.S. has these grand departs that are competitive. Like that's why people gather together. But I don't think they're as competitive, especially in the women's field, because we just don't have as many women showing mm-hmm. up for those really ultra long races. Cause again, it's like a month of time, depending on the race, like for the tour divide, taking, getting there, doing the race and then getting home and actually just like recovering enough to be able to like go to work the next day. Yeah. Like that's a challenge for sure. Yeah. Well, I know that plays into like how much you need to sleep and mm-hmm. like a lot of those things too, which yeah, a bigger safety concern. If you're like, I need to sleep, like you said, four or five hours a night. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. With the longer ones, you definitely need Like if I'm doing a race, for example, I just finished Badlands and I slept for 10 minutes and I raced for 45 hours. If I'm doing something that's longer than that, though, if it's, say, three days or three nights or two and a half nights of not sleeping, that's when you start to get into the point where you're like, okay, I'm starting to hallucinate. I'm starting to fall asleep on the bike. I need to actually actively sleep. Um, So outside of that time, that's when you're like, I need more than the 10 minute naps or, or at least when you're racing at the front, obviously these, like these races, people are still sleeping like four to seven hours. Yeah. It's just the people at the front usually that are not sleeping that, that, uh, that amount. But on, on the longer stuff, you do have to sleep because if you don't, you just shred your body, your body just can't recover. And then by the fifth or sixth day of not sleeping again, you're like hallucinating or <laughs> you're falling asleep <laughs> on the bike, which is not super good for you. What are some of the best hallucinations you've had? (laughs) Um, I I actually see the, well, so people usually just see trees or rocks as things. And that's definitely what I see. Uh, I typically see like, I feel like I'm in Hollywood in like a a set, um, like building where there's like weird, like um, things on the sides they're just the trees but it's like I don't know for the first thing I really remember seeing is like life-size nutcracker dolls 
Like that is the oh, main thing. God, I, see. I would like <laughs> run. <laughs> it is quite strange. Um, you know what though? But you can normalize it in your brain. You'll be like, I'm not actually seeing that. I'm totally hallucinating right now. Just focus on the middle of the road rather than what's happening on your peripherals. Um, because that's what's that's what it is. It's just your peripherals. But yeah, sometimes I'll see weird things like um oh, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen that's like, but it's it's like weird. It feels like set like props for like a Hollywood or for like, you know, a television show um, that I'm seeing. <laughs> it's a very weird thing. I don't I, just, I think it's so cool what the mind can do. Like it is so crazy what the mind can do. And you can really change your like mindset while you're racing too and i think that that in ultras not to pivot the subject but it's it is so true so many people um can be quite negative um when things are going wrong but if you are able to just like take your mindset and decide that it's hard but you're going to keep going or you're going to push through it like you can do it and i i've talked to other people who have this kind of like way of thinking and it definitely like you can change your mind. You just have to decide that you're going to do it. And it works for shorter stuff too, or like training, you know, or, you know, 50 mile gravel race, you can have a flat and decide that it's not going to affect you. Um, but you know, a lot of people choose the, Oh, my race is over or whatever, mm -hmm. but yeah, the mind is a powerful, powerful tool. It's, it's impressive what you can do with it. I think that kind of makes me think about then your 350 this year. Mm, yeah. Yeah. My, my mind was tired. <laughs> Just your mind was like, no way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know your body was capable. Yeah. Cynthia Fraser's brain was like, was come like, on lady, give me a Cynthia break. At this race. Oh. So I was surprised when I walked in and I saw you the next morning, like mm -hmm. for the start, I was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I read this book. Well, so, okay. So yeah, 2022 was a great year. I won right. the XL. That was super exciting. It was super competitive with Scotty Lechuga. We had a great race. I was very proud of that. It was my first big ultra win. Then coming back and doing the race again, you know, there's that pressure. There's that like expectation. Um, you know, there's that. And I didn't, I really didn't want it to get to my head. And I think I did a pretty good job of not letting it do that um but I was also quite tired in general from like other things in life so I'm going through a divorce it's like at that time was like a little bit more fresh and just like it it, it had been a hard spring even though I had been training I also like I put a bike race on that happens right at, like, right before it uh, before Unbound and so just like all these life things were just more of a priority than really prepping for unbound because I had already won it. And for me, right. it was like not a priority. I had made other a races in my schedule. So when it came down to like the, the race time, I mean, the beginning of the race was super fun. It was fast and I was having a great time. And then, <laughs> then it rained <laughs> and, then... and um, I definitely didn't have super great clearance on my bike and, you know, lots of walking, almost roll my ankle a million times. I mean, everyone has their horror stories. And normally for me, I would 100% push through. Like it wouldn't bother me. I've had way worse things happen to me during an ultra. Um, but I read a book one time and I forget exactly what it was, but it was like how your um, like determination and your willpower is like a muscle and it fatigues. Hmm. Um, and like that very much was the case for me. I felt 
I just didn't have the energy to change my mindset and be positive when normally I really, that's my, like one of my biggest strong suits is like, I thrive when it's really bad. And when, as it quote unquote sucks for most people, I'm like, oh, this is fine. I didn't even realize that it was raining. But by that point, I was just tired. Um, And I just didn't have it in me. And it was dark. And I just really didn't feel like racing my bike anymore. And that was that. There was no, I have no excuse. I just was done. And I think that's okay. You know, I think that's a great lesson in and of itself. (laughs) You know, like not only did, like, did you recognize that and that you weren't finding your way out of it, but you came back to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't leave ultra cycling because you Mm -hmm. didn't finish the XL. You were just out there having one of those days that was just like, it it ain't happening. I mean, Mm -hmm. I kind of have a rule of thumb about like, if I have a workout on my schedule that I don't really want to go do, and like, Mm -hmm. I really don't really want to go do it. Mm-hmm. I always make myself go. Yeah. And if in five to 10 minutes, I'm still having that same feeling. Mm. It's like, it's okay to not. Absolutely. Complete everything that's on your agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's 100%. a lesson in that too. Mm-hmm. And but. just like knowing where that is. I mean, <clears throat> I think also knowing where it is and just being like, okay, this isn't my day. And I mm-hmm. think with ultra cycling, a lot of times, no matter what, whether it's your day or not, like if the race is two, three, four or five days, maybe day two isn't your day, but day three, four and five are your days. Right. And so like, that's where the mind does really work. It's like, take a break, take a rest, you know, like sleep for two hours. Like you never know, you could wake up and then it could be your day Um, for something shorter, like unbound. It's like, well, it's not really a day. Like, I think maybe when I did it, it was fast, but with the, with the, with the, um, mud and everything, it was a little bit slower and it was over 24 hours, you know, for the mm-hmm. winners. So, um, you know, there was walking and lots of mud and more mud <laughs> and, and it just wasn't my day and, and that's okay. Yep. I'm like totally okay with that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard, but I didn't let it get to me after that. Like, I think I decided once I finished that it wasn't going to bother me. That's again, the mindset thing. I was like, I'm not going to let this get under my skin, you know? Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing all that. And I really appreciate it. Even when I ran into you, because I've told like several people that because your goals can be different, right? Like you're like, Mm -hmm. this isn't my race. I was having a miserable time. Mm -hmm. Wasn't hitting my goals of having fun at this race. Mm-hmm. a lot of life stress going on. So like Christy said, it could have, you could have finished it. And then you're like, I don't even want to be on a bike for <laughs> true. Yeah. <months. laughs> yeah. No. And that was the thing. I was also like, is this really going to benefit me that much by like suffering through this? Or am I going to have way more fun? Which I did the next day I got to see my teammate get fifth Sarah fifth and place. like being like yeah. fifth place in the race. I got to be in the car with a videographer, like documenting like the women's winner I mean like it was a actually amazing experience after I decided that I wasn't going to finish and so in the long run I had a really nice time when normally I'm racing and I don't get to see my teammates finish the races because I'm out there still racing or if I've come back I'm asleep (laughs) so (laughs) um, I just like oddly enough I was thinking I didn't reach out to you after the fact to make sure because I just was like, oh, Cynthia's fine. Like, mm, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know we fine. talked briefly, but I was like, yeah. she's fine. Like that just, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I mean, I know you have a really good head on your shoulder. So it was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, she's totally, she's fine. This is just, yeah. 
this was just a bad day on the bike. That's all. That's right. So. And it was in my A race. If it was, right. maybe it would have been. I guess I knew that too because I'd given you that lift from the yeah, which I Kansas appreciate. City. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was like, oh yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the A race, which had all made even more sense in my mm-hmm. mind, in my mm-hmm. in my headset. But mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, And their Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere, and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. Well, I also wanted to ask you a little bit because you've been racing so much in Europe. So this is a pivot, mm. but, um, but I am curious um, with the ultra cycling and what's happening in the women's space and the women's field, you know, I think um, saw more women line up at the tour divide than they've ever seen before, yeah, but it was still crazy. like a tiny amount compared mm. to the men. Mm-hmm. And we know like there's more barriers there, but I'm curious as to what's, what do you see happening, especially around Europe and that scene with women and then like at the pointy end as yeah. well. So I think that we're going to see more women getting into ultra racing when they find that they like gravel racing and then they find there's more adventure in longer stuff. Uh, so people find bike packing and then are like, oh, maybe I want to do this route, which I think in the U.S., that's probably what's going to happen because like people are going to be like bike packing is cool. Oh, I want to do this route. Oh, they have a grand apart. I'll do it at the same time. Um, in Europe, I, I, there are just so many more people that ride bikes in Europe. The per capita mm-hmm. is much higher. So I think that's part of why we see more women on bikes in ultras because there are just more women actually riding actively. Um, I, hope that we see more races in the u.s that are more towards this model that we're seeing in europe which is shorter distances more attainable because i think that's a barrier huge barrier i mean i'm not even going to do tour divide for a while because you know how much it costs to do tour divide it is very expensive no matter how cheaply you do it you still have to buy your food at a gas station and when you go it's like 75 dollars. like that i spend that's more money than i spend on food ever in a day, you know? And so I think these longer races, they're wonderful. And they're from the old guard, I would say of ultra cycling. Mm-hmm. And I think we are probably going to see slowly, but surely more races that are popping up that are more achievable in a shorter amount of time, which seems like, oh, maybe I can actually do that. Whereas like, I think about Colorado trail and I think about Arizona trail and like listening to like Katya or Lael talk about the prep that they have to do for those races, whether it's altitude or whether it's going and riding sections, that is a lot of time. And mm-hmm. when you are a normal person that you have children or what, you know, you're, you're not like being paid to do anything with bikes, like you can't take off that much time. And so I think, and hope that we see 
the shorter distance models start to come into play. I mean, there are definitely some of those races around. Like there's a race actually in Virginia. It starts in Washington, D.C. And it, it uh, traverses the like basically the length of the Appalachian Blue Ridge uh, ranges on the left side of the state of Virginia. And it's 560. Um, and I don't know, I think the winning man did it in 55 hours and the, the women's winner is like 86 hours. Like that's the FKT. And that is a good amount of time to be on the bike. But it's like you can do it in a week especially if you live on the East coast, you can drive there. So like things like that, like the trans Virginia or the trans Northern Georgia route, which is a little bit shorter, but it's mountain bike. These are more attainable. And I think the barrier to entry is quite is lower. At least it's not super low. It's still challenging <laughs> to, to go out and do an ultra. Um, but I think it's more attainable than what some of these bigger ones are. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. one I want you to do here that goes from Olympia down to Oregon. Yeah, what's that one called? Um, I forget. And I was trying to tell Katya a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna look more. it up. And I know I already forgot again to look it up. There's but. a lot of U.S. <laughs> races that I want to do. Um, I think when I'm when I retire, whatever that it actually means. But when I like decide to stop racing as much, um, I think I'll probably move more to the U.S. races because they're just you know, oh, I want to go to Washington. Okay, I can do that. You know, pretty easily, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and also you have a friend living in Europe right now, so it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I trying to trying to travel as much as I can while I have a reason to travel. Is, yeah. I'll if people don't know, Rachel uh, Wills is living in Europe. Her husband is yes. stationed there. So she's yeah. Yeah. One of um, Veloci Explorer teammates, Rachel, who was on the podcast with me that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and as far as the racing end, like, are you seeing more women line up that are like, I want to go for the win? Or do you feel like there's just a handful of y'all still? Um, I think a lot, you know, I don't mean to like generalize, but a lot of times I think with these, these ultra races, most people, not even just women, but most people are in it to just finish. Like there's not necessarily this, like I'm in it to win it. I think there's a higher percentage of men right now that are that mindset. Um, and I think, we'll start to see more women kind of come into the fold. We've got um, Molly Weaver is a retired professional cyclist who's from the UK and they're racing some of these mountain bike ultras and, and making a job of it and doing things in that and wants to be competitive. And then we've got, you know, people who are just coming to the sport for the first time because they liked riding their bike and they just want to do this cool route around other people. So I think, you know, these, these women that are coming are not necessarily looking to win. Um, and you will see, like, they find that they are quite good at it because they're efficient and they're, you know, they're well-trained or whatever, but it all, you know, it does take a lot to come together to, to be like at the front end of the race. And we're seeing, you know, I'm seeing those people and it's fun to be racing against them. I really love the competition aspect of it. Um, so more women out at the front, the better makes everyone race better. I think that's, that's how any sport is, but the better, the more competition, the better everybody becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Raises Absolutely. the bar. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I know you have to get to a bike ride, but I did want to uh, make sure you have started a YouTube channel. Is that correct? Are you still doing yeah. videos there? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started a channel. Actually, I just had my one year anniversary. I made a video last year at Badlands afterwards about my bike check, like real simple and was like, I'm going to try this YouTube thing. Um, and so it's, I'm trying to grow it. I think hopefully in the next year or two, it'll be a little bit more, I don't know 
advanced, but, um, but yeah, putting a lot of effort into it now and trying to have that, that channel, um, kind of grow. And as an athlete, having other things that sponsors can utilize and see, um, your involvement. And I also really like, I do a lot of educational videos on there. And I think that that's super important with ultra racing. So if anybody's listening and they want to learn more about how to get into ultra racing or like the things that I carry on my bike, whether it's bike packing or ultra racing, like I have videos on there about that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I like the educational piece. That's very fun for me to help explain and share what I learned. Cause even just like, I don't know, a year ago or a year and a half ago, like I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned from other people. I, I listened to every podcast out there that Lael has been on and like, you know, the, the ultra racers that I, I just want to know every morsel of detail. So um, I was that person. And so I want to help other people find out more information. That's no, awesome. That's great. I think a huge part for women, especially is having access. Totally. Information. Yeah. Is that channel just under your name or how? Um, they- yeah. So my Instagram name is Watt Wagon. And so the channel name is also Watt Wagon. Um, so I think if you search it on YouTube, you can find it um, pretty easily. Yeah. How did you get that handle? I've always wondered. I never, I, that's just funny. Cause I was like, I always mean to ask you that. And then I always forget. Yeah. Um, a, a while back, maybe like 2014, like a long time ago, um, a friend was like, you should change your Instagram name to Wah Wagon. And it was before Instagram was really anything. And so I've actually had it for a really long time. Um, and now people don't even know what my name is. They just like refer <laughs> me as Watt Wagon or just Wagon. Um, yeah, why? So. It's a, <laughs> a great handle for cycling and for a YouTube channel. <laughs> somebody, somebody I was talking to recently, like an entrepreneur who doesn't really know that much about cycling was like, you should, you should get a light bulb or like an electric company to sponsor like, you. That's because, not like, what this is. <laughs> I, know, well, I, I thought I was like, well, maybe I'll change my logo to a light bulb or something. But anyway, it was just like, yes, a watt is a unit of energy. So as a cyclist, it makes sense. People outside of bikes are like, what? What is that? Oh, I see that on my rowing machine. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It, it translates. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody go check out that YouTube channel. You yes, also do some videos you. from your events and mm-hmm. um, we can see all the fun things you've been doing all over the world. And thank yeah. you so much for taking time. To Thanks chat for having today. me. Nice to chat with you all. I'll see you. I'm going to Big sure, I think. So Yay. I don't know why you both be there. At least Christy will, will be, be there. there. Christy will okay. be there. I'll be there. Okay. So. I'll see you there, Sweet. Christy. Give Looking you a forward hug. to it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Bye y'all. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.